Hey everybody, Bill here with another episode of The Debrief. Today, I'm speaking with Sydney Sloan. She's the former CMO of SalesLoft, uh, Focus Lab, and SalesLoft partnered up on a big rebrand about a year and a half ago. Um, actually, probably closer to two years. Their brand has been live for a year now. So Sydney and I sit down to really relive that entire project from what it was like to work with Focus Lab, knowing that we had rebranded their biggest competitor about three to four years prior, um, what it was like to work through a visual identity in a sea of blue uh, in a heavy tech industry um, and, and end up where they ended up uh, looking quite different than the rest of the industry. And then finally, all of the moving parts of their rollout, quite impressive, actually. Wait till you hear about the amount of effort they put into the rollout and the success that followed that. Enjoy. Sydney, I'm super duper happy to finally be able to sit down with you uh, and talk about the Sales Loft rebrand. Uh, so we went through that process with you. Uh, I, I marked it. It's 421 <laughs> days ago. That's the launch date. Yeah. Uh, Longer than it took to do the product, project, but not by <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> uh, so we're finally going to sit down and talk about it. I think it's important, especially for a project of this size, for um, our viewers and listeners to really hear from you on what it was like to go through a rebrand of that size, uh, both how you knew that it was time for you to actually go through a rebrand, what it was like to go through all of that work. It's a lot of work, right? So we'll hear about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what you did to really uh, activate it, if you will, at the end of that project. So my first question is, how did you know it was time to rebrand? It was time to rebrand two years before we finally did it. So we actually tried um, before and uh, couldn't quite get our founder to the level of a full rebrand. So it was like, oh, we'll do a cleanup. You know, we still, you know, there, were, there was passion for the previous brand. Um, but the real reason, um, I mean, that was the truth, but the real reason it was time was, you know, we had grown up. We still look like a startup. The $75 design your own logo, which she had a $25 coupon for, you know, had paid its yeah. dues over the 10 years of the life of the company. And we were selling to large global enterprises and we needed to look like an enterprise company and the market had changed a lot. And so we wanted to continue to kind of show our leadership while still being true to who Salesoft was as a company. So the only thing that we chose not to re to change, and we, we can talk about this, was we didn't change the name and we didn't change the mission and vision of the company. Everything else was up for grabs. Yeah, I love that. Um, we find a lot of companies that work with us in particular in that similar position, which is to say like, it doesn't mean that the company is broken. Actually, the company is like doing quite well. It's thriving. I was doing that too. Yeah. But then there's this kind of like, brand glass ceiling that starts to show up. It says, uh, we want to get on the other side of that. We're going to have to do something to then take us to that next step. We're doing huge deals with like IBM and Google. And like, we, we couldn't look like, you know, the 2011 version of ourselves. Like we, we yes. had to look differently. Yeah. And, and the other reason was we, we, we joked about being lost in a sea of blue. We had a blue logo. You know how many people have blue yes. logos? Lots of people have blue logos. And so when you'd see us on, you know, these charts, I'd be like, where's Salesoft? I can't find us. Then I'd be like, oh, you know, and it had the capital S and the capital L. It's like so 90s. And um, yeah. so yeah. it was it was it was time. It was time. So glad yeah. we did it. We're going to get to the color very specifically because I have an interesting story from Saster this year mm -hmm. about the color um, okay. that I want to share. 
Something I forgot to do, though. Do you mind taking a minute and just introduce yourself? Sure. Talk about what you do now and maybe what your role was during this sales live rebrand specifically. For sure, for sure. So my name is Sydney Sloan. Um, I was the former CMO of Sales Loft, taking us from about 15 million to 135 million. So definitely one of the hyper growth wow. success stories. Um, and previously to that, I'd been the CMO of a company called Alfresco. I also had a very long stint at Adobe through various roles. Um, and uh, currently I'm advising a bunch of companies. I work at Scale Ventures as an executive in residence. That's our beautiful view um, here in the Bay Area. And um, yeah, just kind of enjoying working with lots of different companies right now. Yeah, yeah, well, we loved working with you and we'll talk more about that at the end, uh, but I'm sure whoever you're working with now uh, feels the same exact way. So. All right, so we talked about how you knew it was time to rebrand. And sh shout out to Kyle. I think we were talking about Kyle, right, with his $25 yeah. logo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Kyle. And, and while we're here, shout out to CK as well, who was a. Oh, totally. I'll be talking all about project. Cindy Knezovich, AKA yes. CK. Yes. Uh, so there's a, an interesting question, which I also figured I would ask, which is you're in the same market as Outreach. I, I'm sure you knew at some point while you were leaning into working with us that we had actually done the outreach rebrand like four years prior ish. Yeah. So it's just interesting. Like I, I know how I feel about that, but I want to hear your perspective. Like, were you all concerned? Was that actually like a, a positive? Well, I actually knew you because of the Marketo rebrand. I was on the Marketo executive advisory oh. board and I was involved with that. And so even before uh, I think Outreach hired you, uh, you know, they, you were there. You look at the body of work from what you mm -hmm. guys had done and the variety of companies and the thoughtfulness in which you did it. I, I mean, we were I, I had, had a uh, we, we ran a proper RFP. Yep. So we drafted the RFP in September of uh, 2019 and, um, you know, had some great agencies that had been recommended that I'd used previously, that CK had used previously. But deep down in our hearts, we knew we wanted to work with you. There was just something oh. about the vibe that we got. And I think it was Will Strawn that said, you know, we're going to take this journey together and we're going to be your mm -hmm. guide, but it's going to be a journey. And yeah. and that just, I mean, it still gives me goosebumps when, it, when I think about it. Um, because that's what we wanted to do. We, we didn't want to send, you know, our ideas off to some big agency that was going to, you know, ideate without us in the room. And I think the process and the journey that we went through together created something beautiful and we couldn't have done it without you. So um, wow. it was the right I decision. That. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it is a journey for us. We are those types of people as well. We want to go on the journey. We want to be a part of the journey in the right way, which is also to say like the client is the hero of that journey and where they're almost just like the shepherd and the guide to say, let's do this. Have you thought about that? Oh, I wouldn't do that. Let's stay back over here. Yeah. But it's very much your journey. And then we're on it with you. Uh, yeah. Okay, and I would cool. warn people so because I've done this a lot of times and I would warn people if they're talking to agencies in your process. So if, if we're, you know, using this time to help people learn from our successes mm -hmm. and, and mistakes that I've made over the years, you know, when, when you have an agency that says, hey, please introduce me to, you know, X number of your customers and all these interviews and you have to wait six or eight weeks for them to come back with their findings. 
I, I, I won't ever do that again. Like it just, it felt too disconnected. It felt like they were doing their work without me and my opinion, which, you know, I, I should have one. I'm the CMO um, mm-hmm. and, and to help guide them as well. And so I think you really want to find someone that, you know, part, you know, is partnering with you throughout that journey. And it doesn't start with eight weeks of research without your involvement. Yeah, it's, it's a whole nother episode, which we won't get into now, but we actually take a pretty a pretty hard and probably bold within our industry stance, which is we don't even do market research. I don't need the market to tell me what you and your company already know your mission and vision is, right? That's the difference of saying, are they telling you what products and features they need? Or are you trying to figure out what is the essence of the organization? And that doesn't come from the outside. That starts from the inside. So, again, without getting lost in the weeds there, that's why we don't do that. Uh, okay, so you select us. We were very excited, of course, when you select us, uh, selected us. And now we're in project. So I'm going to start asking a couple questions that are in project. Again, this is a learning opportunity for the people listening. And we don't want it to just be all warm and fuzzy and everything was easy. Like rebranding is challenging. So the first question is, what was the most challenging aspect of the entire project? Oh, the entire project. Um, the timeline was mm. the most challenging. Um, I'm an impatient person. I was excited to do it. And uh, and we, we had, I wouldn't say rushed a, a, a previous effort before, but, you know, we were having our big event and we wanted to have it ready by then. And, and we got some pretty um, direct coaching from your team early on that the process is going to take as long as the process is going to take. Mm-hmm. And so I think our original uh, launch date was going to be uh, March. And then we said, OK, well, we were a little too aggressive. And you start doing the research of like how I mean, we rebranded. We retouched every single thing. We did the big band, big band big bang brand launch. And, and so, you know, there wasn't a piece of content or a website or a piece of product that wasn't launched on brand day. Um, and, you know, so you're talking tens of thousands of things that had to be touched every image, every this, every that. And so, yeah. Okay. Thank you, team. You've inventoried everything that needs needs to be done. All right, we'll do it in June. Well, we actually did it in September. It took that long, and I think that yeah. point, Bill, where um, that we started to share some of the design inspiration with the mm-hmm. uh, leadership, um, and we were struggling, right? We were like half the team liked one direction, half the team liked the other. Kyle Porter, our CEO is ultimately the decision maker. You know, we, we, he wanted time. And so we, we allowed ourselves the time to really process so we could find the right brand for us. And, and it didn't, even though we were talking about design and concepts, I think in my research, talking to other people that had gone through a rebrand effort. So, you know, I talked to a lot of other CMOs, the things that I learned from them um, that I could pay forward now to this audience, you know, that it, it's, it first starts with a story and who you want to be and how you want to show up because brand is brand and, I, you know, brand is what you feel. It's not yeah. how it looks, right? It's it's how it makes yeah. you feel. And and so, you know, making sure that we centered on that to start and then have the design concepts complement the brand. But the story was as important as the design concepts when we were when we were working together on that. I'm happy you shared that. It's 100% right. It's it's part of our main preaching point all day every day, right? Like what yeah. is brand? It's not the logo. Mm-hmm. Although that is a component of it. Yeah, so the time, time being most challenging. 
that doesn't surprise me. Uh, the the energy and the excitement around a rebrand often represents itself in this urgent need. And we need to do this. We're excited. We're finally ready to do it. Let's go. And then you have a company like us saying like, okay, we're all going to slow down now and we're going to mm-hmm. think and we're going to take a look. It's like, oh my God, it's going to take forever. Ultimately, what happens is both parties collectively realize it is going to actually require more time. Because like you ultimately realize too, which is like, you can set whatever date you want. Like at some point, you're not even going to be able to reach it. It doesn't even matter how fast we get our work done because there's all this stuff that needs yeah. to happen. It's, it and balancing like, what do I stop doing because I know I'm going to have to change it? Or how do we rethink how we're designing our some of our assets so they can be easily reskinned? Uh, we also ended up rebuilding the infrastructure for our website alongside this project. So we had a couple other mm-hmm. big projects that went along with it. And so we were redoing our information architecture. And it, so it was a, a lot of big things that were kind of coinciding at the same time. Um, and you can use yeah. that as an opportunity too. Uh, you know, we repositioned the platform. We we created a new name for the platform. We, you know, so there were along the way, things started to, you know, create the momentum for other big things to happen at the same time. Yeah, it starts to turn almost like a flywheel. It's this Mm -hmm. new momentum swing that starts to build up. Um, So let's talk about the green for a minute. And even the logo type, even though we just Mm -hmm. said brand, it's not a logo. Uh, You kind of touched on the fact that it takes time. Like, oh, there was two directions. And I know it was a little bit kind of like, one direction pulled ahead, but there was a lot of love for the other direction. It was like, oh, God, this is going to be a really big decision. And I want to praise you and CK and Kyle and everybody that was a part of that decision making, which is you went bold, right? You went with the non-traditional, very interesting Sansa or uh, Serif typeface, right? Like that wasn't the obvious choice. And that takes guts to do, right? Yeah. And then the green on top of that and all these decisions, Um so yeah, well done on that. But let's talk about the green specifically. Getting away from the damn blue, the world of <laughs> technology blue. And the sea of so, blue, yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, the sea of blue that I live with. To us, it's almost comical at this point. Not in the way that we like laugh at people, but like it's just so common that we have to go through this conversation, right? If blue strategically makes sense, sure. We're not just going to say blue is bad. But in the world of B2B tech, it doesn't even strategically really make sense. So, right, like that one's off the table. We got to bring people on that journey, to use your words. Um, I was at Saster this year. We're out there. We saw you. Yeah. Um, uh, and the sales loft booth. It was awesome and beautiful and big and in the middle and very green. And we were at another booth walking around and through conversation. Oh, what do you do? Oh, we do branding. Oh, who do you do branding? Oh, do you know sales loft? Right. I'm able to like point to the giant booth. Yeah, yeah we worked with them. And they're like, oh, my God, I've been meaning to ask somebody, why the hell is it green? Why would a why would a platform like that ever be green? But like in I don't even have to go into the answer in this in this uh, podcast or interview, because like we know why it was to be different. It was to get the hell out of that world of blue and to have people at that booth ask that question. Right. Like there's obviously more intentional reasons to why why that happened. But I just wanted to share that with you like that. (laughs) Yeah, I would say there's two. Kind of like That's so funny. We're good. Question. It makes it stand yeah, out. Um, exactly. Uh, so there are two things that happened, I think, in that process. The first was the very first time we saw the Serif version logo of Sales Loft. Um, I knew right away. Like that, that was probably six weeks. Like as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's it. Because yeah. it evoked that emotion. 
what we talk about. And to me, it looked like handwritten, like we care about personalization. We care about people. We want to speak naturally. um, And we want to allow our customers to build that authentic connection with their customers. That is the purpose of sales loft to uh, create Mm -hmm. a world where sellers are loved by the buyers they serve. That's the mission of the company. And so there's feeling and emotion in our tag, you know, our hashtag sales love, like that's a bold statement in that state. And so as soon as you saw that to me, when I saw the sales loft logo, it was saying, hello, it was smiling. It was Uh, happy. It was so personal. It was just like, and it was lit up. And I was like, yes, like exactly. When you, I, when I see that, I see something that's very personable, that has emotion, that is not a corporation. It's a, it's, and we were going for a lifestyle brand. That was kind of our inspiration mm-hmm. is like, we wanted to get away from B2B tech, all this yeah. white space and everybody has the same, you know, you land on a, you don't know, you're like, I could be on anybody's website. We wanted it yeah. to feel different and human, um, which we could talk about photography later. But so that was yeah. the first reason. And the second reason, cause there were a lot of, different color variations that we looked at. I mean, we also looked at very bold red. You know, I think a lot yep. of people are going with pink these days, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but, uh, you know, it was the um, trust that was, you know, there's some banks that have that color. Um, there's some analyst firms that have that color. Uh, it's yep. a very trusted color. Uh, it's a positive color. It's actually um, our head of product, Frank Dale, shared with me that it's the second most favorite product a product or product color, sorry, color after blue for people. Um, uh-huh. But it, you know, it's also the color of money and we drive revenue and it's a big yeah. go. And so every single button in sales loft, when you loft it, it's a green button. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had a tagline like LFG. Uh, guess what the F stands <laughs> for? So it just fit with a lot of the positive momentum and energy and trust. And you know what, what, what the outcomes we were, that we were promising to customers. Um, uh, and so that's why we picked it. Yeah, props. Yeah. The, the I saw a comment. Gosh, it was maybe only a month ago or so. Um, someone had called you out on LinkedIn and said, "Sales Loft, what a masterclass in differentiation." Basically, for the points of what you've just mentioned, right? Going with something that feels more human, intentionally staying away from tech, and going with that typeface for the logo in that color palette. Um, Awesome. Awesome for us too, right? Uh, As a creative company, as a brand company to be like, yes, bold decisions. What we all want, right? We are like, let's make real change. Uh, All right. So final question in project, what was the most surprising aspect of the project? Like what, was there any curveballs or anything like, oh, I didn't see that coming, good or bad? I'll go constructive. Um, it, we we kind of lapsed on our timeline around the product positioning and messaging. Like we wanted to start it in uh, in the beginning of May and we didn't really start it till the end of June. Um, and we had a new head of product come on board. And so while we got what what we were calling the modern revenue workspace, like this inspiration for something big and different um, and and industry leading um, to make sure that we had the time to tell not just the brand story, but the product side of the story. And so by the time we got to the end, it wasn't 
at the finish line we that we would have liked. I mean, that's going to happen. Like it, it, you know. So there were still some iterations of um, of messaging that we were continuing to work on post launch. So like, well, describe. You know, how do you go from inspiration to actually tactically what a salesperson would say when they're Mm -hmm. painting a vision to the customer about what the modern revenue workspace is and can be? Um, So you know, it's hard. You got to keep a lot of parts of the train in the same level of the track to to make it happen. And 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 I I wish we would have gotten that one a little closer to the finish line. Um, But again, that's going to happen. It's not going to go perfectly. Perfect, you know, is the enemy of uh, perfection. Is the enemy of perfect. Both of those are bad, right? Like we we just at one point had to had to you know go with it, and I, I think it was received very successfully in the market. So. It is coming back to that journey word. It got such a journey. You, you don't really, you know what you know, but you also don't know what you don't know. And you're just going in there knowing that if we work really hard, we're going to come out of this thing successful. But what will make it to the finish line? What won't? What's going to be the hardest part of it? It's always different for everybody. Yeah. You never know what challenges will show up. Exactly. And I'll give you the perfect analogy, like building a house. Like, do you tear yes. the old house down all the way? Do you leave a couple walls up? Do you, you know, but but you pick your general contractor and you trust in them that they're going to guide you along the way. It never goes as planned on the timeline. I'm renovating a house right now. Um, but you're so inspired. <laughs> yeah. But you also have to have some faith of like, well, what is it going to look like? How do I imagine that? Um, you know, where people are living inside the brand and, and what interactions they have. And so how am I designing this from an experience perspective that's going to allow different kinds of groups to come together and um and and yet you know yeah everything's on back order and this person didn't show up so you know it's like uh, you know I, I, my, my best analogy <laughs> maybe it's because i'm in the middle of it it's like building a house it's a lot to wrangle yeah you just started yeah. to touch on another point which is there's a lot of people too mm-hmm. and rightfully so like you're trying to keep the group narrow so it's you don't need 100 people weighing in every week on decisions that are being made but you do have a core group that's bigger than two or three. Oh yeah and then it's like, oh, well, they're on, okay, they're out this week. Oh, Jesus, person, okay, they're on vacation. Oh, and you're trying to build the house while two companies are also kind of separated. Do we get to talk about your growing. process? Oh, or is so that a let's secret? Do that, actually, uh, no, no, no. Okay. I'm actually writing a. I'm writing a book. It actually kind of still feels weird to say, uh, but we're writing a book that is going to reveal the whole process. Mm, it is so the book good. that we would have told you. You wouldn't have needed it, but say like. If you want to know everything about what you're going to experience with us, you just read this book and you're literally going to get this. Um, so, so let's do that. Let's talk about process. So we really value process and focus up. We believe, and now you can confirm this or deny, we believe that process is one of the key separators for us. Right? We've, we've risen to a point as a company where we consider the quality of our work table stakes. When you're growing, you have to get the quality up. Quality is there. So now we say, what separates us from the pack? Process is really important to us. You went through that process. Is there anything you want to share on that? Well, it was highly collaborative. Uh, I, and, and we talked about that at the very beginning. right? And so uh, we knew what to expect. And um, I'll say the, um, the one thing I, there's many things I appreciate the most, but Bill, I think the, the best thing for your company is that their, your deliverable was always on a Friday end of day. And sometimes it was late on the end of day, but they would deliver the work for the week. It'd be a voiceover with, I think it was a loom or something similar to that, like a presentation of the materials and all the materials for us to review and provide our feedback before a team meeting on Tuesday. That I believe allowed your team 
to get off the crazy rat race so they could enjoy their time off on the weekends, which I, I, you know, I applaud you for that. Like, because, you know, it's our one big rebrand, but you're doing this all the time for your teams. And so it allowed us time to sit with the deliverables. Um, Cindy and I would have a fantastic glass of wine on a Sunday afternoon and, and talk about what we saw. So we'd have a summarized, uh, you know, feedback for your team, which we would, we would gather and share with our teams on Mondays. And then we talk on Tuesdays and that's just how we, rolled for the entire project that was always a deliverable yes. we look forward to sometimes and you could give us advance like hey this is going to be a two-week sprint versus a one week because it, we're tackling something big um and so you know we we knew that well in advance but i just the whole feedback channel and and allowing for multiple collaboration on our side so we could gather our thoughts and deliver them back to you. The second thing that you mentioned was, you know, you don't want to have a team of a hundred. That's really hard, but you do want to have the right people in the room. So for us, that was Cindy Knezovich, our head of uh, our head of brand. She was the she was the main driver of the project. I was the executive sponsor, and she she that was this was her baby, and um, and so we had a really strong project manager uh, that supported her, um, and then we had the head of product design because when you're talking about a brand experience, it has to not just be how the website shows up or the it, it, we wanted the experience to resonate through the product, and and so it was critical that we. We had um, him. We had representation from the sales organization because they're, you know, they're the deliverer and and live in the materials as well. And so we, we, I think we had maybe eight or nine people. The two founders um, were, yep. were also involved. Not in every not in every weekly meeting, but we had a core group that we we worked with, and they were ultimately the ones that just made the decisions like we listened mm -hmm. to each other and and uh i mean kyle was the final decision maker but it, it was the hard work of the collaborative group oh head of um head of customer like success uh and um all our content uh our knowledge base like she was steph she was on there too oh my gosh like such a good group of people it's yeah. really yeah. important to get that team right yeah if that team is either non-existent or wrong, and you want to talk about that predictable cadence, that weekly kind of pulse of there's a thing, you're going to review it, you're going to get feedback, that starts to get really gummed up. Oh, I don't know. We haven't had time to get to the feedback yet. Oh, I'm too busy doing all these other things. I don't really have anybody else to support me in this effort. I don't have a PM on the client side. Right. You have to. PM on the, on the Focus Lab side. Oh, my God. You totally have to for something of this magnitude. Yes. Yeah. We were lucky we had a really a good PMO office and Leslie, because uh, we also rebranded the office buildings. I mean, we did it all, right? Like we, we created a whole new floor and, 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 um, and globally all of our offices. Um, it re that reminded me that, um, you know, the importance of having them involved because then they understood the decisions that were made because they're the ones now designing the product. They're the ones that are writing the documentation. They're the ones that yeah. are building the university courses, but they were getting something from the process as well, right? Like we designed a complete new badging system for our, um, our, our education team. Uh, we designed, yeah. redesigned their website. So while we were asking them to do a lot of heavy lifting, cause they had to go in and update every piece of content, they were also getting something from the project that they wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. Um, so I think it was a real win-win. Yeah, I would share, you just reminded me of something um, on this PM on your side. God, I'm pretty sure it was y'all. I'm pretty sure y'all spawned something that we actually added to our process mm -hmm. now that didn't okay. exist before. And we add a lot of stuff to process. So kudos to you because we don't really 
does not project that we're perfect, but we're like so processed that there's not much that we add uh, in that regard. But when we worked with y'all, uh, there was this um, prompt for the PMs to have their own oh, yeah, meeting, that yeah, PM yeah. checkpoint meeting. Yeah, That was so fruitful that we do that on every single project nice. now, regardless yeah. of size, because yeah. we now recognize there needs to be that additional meeting. It's just the check, it's just touch base. How we do need anything, everything good. You think we can expect this? You can, you can really get uh, logistical in that meeting. Whereas that weekly Monday or Tuesday meeting, that's the feedback cycle. That's the right. collaborative, okay, here's what we think. And there's not opportunity. There is, but it's not the right place. Right. To talk well, you can have two people get through meeting. a lot more fast yes. who speak project. Um, yes. uh, and yeah, no, we, yeah. So we I appreciate mean, we, that. We that was huge. Yeah. And that oh, cool. was actually really beneficial. That small change, sometimes it's the smallest changes add a ton of value. That was a huge value add for us. So cool. now let's get into the, oh my God, we got through it. Decisions are made. We're excited. We plan to hell and back on how to roll all this out. And you all have to be one of the best examples, really, of the people that we've worked with. If you want to talk about tacking a rollout super intentionally and doing it in like a light switch, it's really hard. That's a lot of moving parts, like you said, to be able to just say like, bleep, everything's different. Oh, and by the way, we have this activation track and we have this track and we have this track and we've planned them out. I'm going to give you the mic for a while now. And I, can you just kind of like walk us through the stages of how that played out? Yeah, I mean, I wish CK was with me right now because this was her brainchild. Yeah. Um, and, and again, we had learned a lot of this from feedback. Um, of, you know, Salesoft is an employee first, culture first company. And, and what is amazing about what we do is we serve sellers. We inspire them to inspire, to be inspired to serve their customers in the way that we feel, um, honored to do it for ours. And so it was so important for our employees to be bought into the brand because they had the tattoo. They loved sales loft. And so we needed them to have the same love and passion for the new brand in the way that they did before. And so our journey with so we did, we had, we had seven tracks. So going back, there were seven different tracks of things that we were doing. And employee activation was one influencer activation is another, um, product, uh, execution website. I mean, so there were each one had a sub owner and uh, I mean, it was a, the wildest Gantt chart you've seen in your entire life. Um, <laughs> but I'll start with employee activation cause that started first. So mm -hmm. we knew we were going to do this rebrand. We picked you guys in November in January, CK and I started our biweekly, uh, employee meetings, giving them a hint of something that's coming. And it was really funny because we had, you know, she's wild. And so we had this great script, um, that we were, you know, teasing people of the brand is coming. And I think in January, they thought we were going to reveal the, reveal the brand. We didn't reveal it until September. So we took these people <laughs> on a nine month journey of journey. activation, a journey. I mean, and it, and it was hilarious. I mean, our chats were, you know, move that bus. And, wow. um, oh, seriously. And so what we started wow. to do was we, you know, we had the core team and, and they knew what was going on, but nobody else did. And so I think it was, um, uh, maybe it started in May where we started to do a puzzle campaign. So we, we knew what the look and feel, we, we had all these little clues now. And so we did a three part mailer that, um, that, 
at the end, you, the puzzle came together and there was a final, re- everybody wanted to know, we sent boxes with a do not open sticker on it. Um, and so at the, uh, at the employee meetings, you, they'd know that something was coming. And so the, you know, we were trying to get people to guess. I mean, but it was like our colors, we had chartreuse, we had the little green dots we called Tic Tacs. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there was a card with clues on it and she wrote one and I wrote one and then you put it all together. And at the very end, the final piece came in. So you got to see the full brand and, and, um, but like we were sending Tic Tacs and Gatorade, which yeah. ended in, um, so we launched it to employees first. So a month out, the employees got to see it because we were having our mid-year sales kickoff the next week. And we wanted to present all the materials that we had created for the new uh, value proposition because they they had to be trained on the new value proposition before they started talking to customers. Um, right. And so everybody was freaked that it, it was going to leak because now they had swag that had oh, sales left on it. They had all yeah. these new slides. And I frankly was okay with it, right? Like it's, it's almost like you want a little bit of sneak and buzz to start happening, but Cindy was like, if I see one, I will find you. Uh, and so people were afraid. But so we did this awesome brand kickoff. It was a special event. It was not tied to anything else in August where we sent the final box and it had, it was full of awesome swag. And, you know, we introduced the swag store and uh, it was champagne and, you know, it was just incredible. And one of the things that we did was there's this incredible gentleman named Prince EA. Look it up on YouTube. You're on YouTube. So save it to, to watch. And he's a spoken word artist. And we were watching his videos um, in, in like our sales kickoff early in the year. He had this, you know, super inspiring, like breaking glass walls. And, and, and then somebody loved it so much. They started and we started talking about it all the time. Well, we hired him and he did an inspirational video, which became the homepage hero mm-hmm. at launch. And yeah. so for the employees, um, we played the video for the first time, which was just amazing. Um, and then we had Prince EA as a special guest and he was as cool. Oh I knew it because I was already gosh. working with him, yes. but he was as cool and on brand and talked about serving people. And it was just like, you know, the star showed up to the, you know, the, and, and it was yes. so cool, right? Like people are like, no way Prince EA. Cause I mean, we've been watching all his videos all year. So that was yeah. the coolest thing for that. The last part, um, I'll come back to the last part of, of the employee activation. Um, so we did that. Then we did um, our influencer activation. So we had a hundred, I mean, that was a lot of work just to get that list together. So it was about 150 influencers, customers, people in industries, analysts we loved, our investors. And so we did a bit of a teaser campaign with them too. They, we had different variations depending on levels, but we did custom yep. um, like uh, charcuterie boards and hosting and, and we ran events uh, two events. One was a, a pre-event. Um, so after the sales kickoff, we did our customer advisory board and we introduced the brand to them because we wanted them to be ready for it and amplify it when it's happening. And then we had yep. another influencer program that we ran, which was what's in the box campaign. And so here we were sending all these boxes and our head of creative, Leah Ward, sent me this random picture of her holding a box in her backyard. She's like, I got an idea. I'm like, what? (laughs) And they sold me on it and I wasn't sure. I'm like, I don't know about this, guys, but okay, let's do it. It was hilarious. We had all these influencers holding boxes. I mean, and uh, the, uh, oh shoot, I wish I could remember this guy's name. He's from from London and he he wrote um, the, not the challenger, but um, I'm going to get totally in trouble for, uh, the medic. 
medic. He wrote the medic book. And and he had this hilarious thing where he was making fun of our, our head of the UK. And, and it was just these most random posts on LinkedIn about what's in the box. And then the very last day I was at the airport and I held I held a box. And so our, our final reveal um, was that's how we started with you want to know what's in the box. And then we, we un- unveiled the brand. But that drove the highest attendance for any single event Salesoft had ever done. Um, wow. to show up the day of. And, and and we kept playing off of it. We did a bunch of social after the fact of the making of what's in the box campaign. So we had a lot of fun with that one. So that's yeah. influencer and customer activation. Um, and then we did, uh, I talked about employees. So we launched it on September 8th. September 9th was our board, meet, board meeting. And September 10th, we took the entire company to Cancun. The entire company. 450 people. We've had private wow. planes. This is the height of COVID. All the protocols. Everybody was fine. And we took over a hotel and it was sales loft branded. I'm talking sales loft oh on the sides of buildings, gosh. giant 20 foot flags, little sales loft pillows on every single lounge chair you could see. I'm, I mean, sales on the boat. Like, I mean, it was just, um, and, and there even, and the head of uh, our people operations hosted this event. So I didn't even know some of the stuff she was doing. We did a, dr- she, she, did a coordinated drone old logo to new logo light up in the sky on the final night party i mean it was insane is there video of that oh yeah i'll I'll totally get it for you i mean like so if you talk about you know getting your employees to live the brand when we were in a remote world we hadn't gotten together you know everybody was happy we actually also sent office kits so you could pick uh, a b or c to make sure their offices were branded with like decal stickers and and all these different things because it's now we were in our home offices um so not just the you know the fake zoom backgrounds but actual real backgrounds um But then they got to live it. And of course, we gave them more swag and you know, everybody. It was just, it was such a celebration. And then I died. No. <laughs> I was so tired. I was so tired. Um, but, uh, but, but then our, our, post, uh, our post activation was now we want to show up as big as we are everywhere we possibly can be. And so it was the fall. We were just starting to get back to events faster. Um, we had just gotten back for the first time. And um, we, we got really creative with the team shout out to Brian Alesser and, and uh, Jason uh, where we got to create the first ecosystem booth that Saster had ever had so we wanted to show like we're here with our partners we're a very partner friendly company you know showing and the the company so and I think it's still true. We're the only ones that are allowed to have multiple vendors. You can tell me you watched oh, the, I mean, the show this year. That way. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah we, you, that was you that were was the only one. You that know, had it, that. it was my idea. So I think I might have said, and I can only do this for a couple of years. Um, and and they still do it. So you know, so we were able to show the power of our ecosystem, and it wasn't just about us. It was about our partners, which was also yeah. part of the partner activation, by the way. Getting two hundred partners to update all of their web pages oh, with right. our new content. That was a whole team that right. did that too. Maybe partner was one of the seven, um, the seven yeah. efforts and shout out to Morgan for that. Um, and so, you know, it was just, you know, we wanted, we, we had out of home billboards. We were doing dream Four, same thing, big, you know, big takeover. Um, and we just wanted to show it big wherever we were and to the point where um, our marketing m- machine was working by that time. And and we made a, a Shark Tank style pitch to our CFO for an additional million dollars to run more digital brand campaigns. Because we had always just we hadn't really invested in separate brand campaigns. And so we, mm-hmm. we also did that. So we really we wanted to show up with the very proud oh, wow. with our new logo everywhere we possibly could. So we did. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm going to ask you a challenging question. How? Yeah, it's it's exhausting just talking about it. I right? know, it's so great, um, but I'm so tired. What do you tell a CMO, a, a marketing leader, or a company that doesn't even have somebody in a CMO seat that hears all that and says, "Yeah, that's great. I don't have the the time or the people to execute in that way." How do they take advantage of a rollout and capture some of the momentum that you just talked about? That's I think y'all were able to do that at just a different scale. And when I listen to that, that's you've got a lot of people to be able to pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Committed. Um, and, and we and, and we were in the trenches and, and the day of like you talked about, you know, we were midnight turning the switch, turn on the website, yeah. turn on this, turn on the product. Mm-hmm. You know, the product changed at the same time. We actually did a little bit of rollout beforehand because everybody from the company was going to be at the retreat and we didn't want anything to be with the, oh. the product <laughs> and like all, like all the engineers having to sit in a room or someone else. Um, yeah. so, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's like doing a renovation. Like you have to be ready for it. And, yeah. um, and, and when you do a, you know, when you shortcut, when you don't really go through the right level of effort, your audience can tell. You know, they'll land on the page that didn't get updated because you ah, we'll only do level one update. We won't do level two and three. Um, and so there it's disconnected. Um, you know, if you, if you don't put the time to get the message right and kind of rush it, it'll feel forced. Um, yeah. And, and, and so I think, you know, you, you, you get what you pay for in terms of your time and effort uh, if, if you try to rush it. And, and I do, I see that, like I, I advise lots of companies and, you know, I've unfortunately, you know, that they do the three month version and yeah, yeah, you get an updated color palette and a logo, but you don't get a brand. Sure, sure. All right. So it sounds like for the people that don't, even if they don't have the size of team that you were able to leverage, planning well ahead just to make sure that they can actually account for everything is, is at least step one. And getting the buy-in, I think, is too, you know, like it, from buy-in. all your audiences, all your audiences, yeah. your customer buy-in, your influencer buy-in, like explaining to people why you did what you did, why it was time, what was the meaning behind things. Like mm-hmm. um, in those, you know, in those rollouts, we also got feedback. We're able to make changes along the way. We didn't do the exact, you know, it's like we, we learned um, sure. from from those, uh, oh, yeah, those times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we had a month, we had a month, it was a single event and we closed. And this was another thing that we did, um, which we started forecasting. We're like, marketing is going to go dark for six weeks prior to launch. So if you need something from our team, you have to get your request in by this date. And I think there were two, two examples of where we had to kind of, okay, we're, we're going to help out with this or that. But, um, you know, at, at some point you have to say, I'm going to stop doing the, anything and we're only going to focus on this. And for us, that was a six yeah. week effort to get everything across the line. And we also relied on agencies to do a lot of like the rudimentary, like design pickle. Oh my God, those guys were a savior and, and, mm-hmm. you know, implementing the updates across all our 10,000 assets. And, you know, just, just the, we worked with you on designing the templates, but then every yeah. page had to get touched. So that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We don't even have a team big enough to start pulling off all that stuff. Um, no, and it's, you know, it's just, it's churn work. So, speed, you know, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, you know, you, you can outsource that. So this is, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how you answer it now. Um, currently not inside the organization, but I'm sure you saw some of this immediately, which is like, what, what, what was the ROI? Like, what was the actual return on the rebrand as you were able to see it? ROI and 
in our world, well, in, it's, which is the same as your world, it gets very kind of convoluted, right? People are like, I don't know, you can't measure brand. And I'm really working hard to say that's not true. Okay. There are things you can measure. Brand has an effect that you can say that spend equaled this or because of this, we got that. Is there anything you can share on that front? We did. I mean, we did baselines of um, of the, the impressions and reach and um, kind of our, our, our share of voice. Mm-hmm. So we had it and, and CK has this like dashboard that we started like really refining a year out. So, and we had goals that were associated with it. So we had like a million brand impression goal and um, we, we were tracking ahead of that when I left in December. So the brand launches at some September, my, um, I, I left in the very beginning of the year. Um, but we were, we were already ahead of that goal. Um, and, uh, and so we were, we were measuring it. The other thing, you know, that you should expect. And, and I should have answered this when you said to, um, as I advise other companies, the longer you wait to invest in brand, the more money you'll pay in, in buying demand in the, in the long run. So if the only kinds of campaigns that you're doing are to a CTA to drive a lead or, you know, versus, investing in brand to drive awareness of who you are. So people think of you when it's time, the more you'll pay for it. It's like an inverse, uh, inverse relationship. And so if you invest in brand now, you'll pay less for your leads in the long term, And, and that means you have to have a vision that you're willing to stick to. Uh, like really be convicted to your vision, be like, who do you, what, what do you want your company to be known for? And what do you want people to say when they think about your company? And I'm talking to another fintech company. It's like, we partner with founders to help them succeed. Like, okay, that's a big vision. Like we could build a brand around that, you know, for years to come. And it doesn't matter what products you sell. And if we, yes, you know, if we change yes. along the way, it doesn't matter because the brand can hold that. And you should be like committed to this brand for the next five years. You're going to have to love it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember Kyle, like we were getting him excited about green, you know, and buying him vests <laughs> and he was putting his own logo on shirts and uh, chopping down the tree in his backyard that had the old sales off logo on it. It was a big joke that we had, um, uh, you know, sorry. but he sent me a pair of Nike one custom shoes as a thank you guy put it by, put them up by linkedin those you know were, and it's just their money i know oh yeah um, those were awesome. and you know just that's it like if 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 people want to wear your brand and, and i think this is an important philosophy i have as well on swag you know we want our customers to be proud to wear a sales loft t-shirt that's awesome for us. And so making it easy for them to do that. So we would give credits all the time for doing things. You know, everybody gives a $25 gift card to their customers. Why not give them an amazing, cool hoodie? I appreciate you making the point on the invest in brand early. And if you're invest in, investing in brand in the right way, it you can't say, well, I don't know what my features are yet. I don't know what my product is yet. That's like trying to say, is Apple a computer company? I would hope that we can all say that they're not simply a computer company. Their their product is a computer, but their why statement doesn't say anything about computers, right? Like it has nothing to do with that. It's not what drives their ethos. Um, So your point then is totally valid. And we don't buy their their products because they're the best product. We just want to look cool dancing on a billboard with these white things hanging out of our ears, you know? Yeah, Yeah, these are not better than my Bose headphones, but I'm like... But they might be, and I love Apple everything, so I might as well get those. Yeah, that's the brand at work. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. So I think you have probably done this 20 times over in this call, but I'll just hit you with the final question, which is if there was one thing you could say to somebody that's about to enter a rebrand, that one point, it's like, hey, if you do one thing right, do this. What would that be? Just one thing. I don't know if I could just do it as one thing. I mean, we talked a lot about timing and timelines and letting, you know, letting the process take its course so you get the right outcome. And if that means pushing the launch three months, you push the launch three months. Um, I, I, I truly learned that in this process that I probably didn't in other processes. Um, uh, the second thing, uh, you know, is really understanding who your audience is and, um, and, you know, making sure that they are giving feedback that they're bought in early, um, that you invest in them in, in, you know, being part of what it is that you're doing uh, and, and be that if it's, you know, your top 50 customers or your, you know, top 2000, just, just have that, that ethos of, of, of people who you care about that cares about you, that, that is, is carrying that brand forward, that can be out there, you know, advocating on your behalf and being honest with you and giving you feedback when you're on brand and off brand. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. we'll do things that were off brand. I, I still, you know, follow all, all the sales off LinkedIn posts. I haven't been there for a year, but I care. And, you know, I look at that. I'm like, is that still on brand or is that off brand? Like, what are they doing mm-hmm. that for? Um, yeah. And, you know, a new CMO can come in and they can have their own point of view and that's cool. But does it still support the large, the larger mission and vision? Which it yeah. does. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think you, and, and you, you, you can't ever invest too early. Deal. I will yeah. accept that answer. Yeah. All of that was three answers and they were great. So sorry. Thank you I told you it was those. too hard to just one. Yeah. <laughs> Brand is big. It's hard to kind of tunnel it down. Yeah. Um, but it is my and ask people for help. Like ask, yeah. Ask oh, people. I mean, like I, I, I cannot tell you how much value I got out of my CMO network. I put it in there. Hey, we're thinking of rebrand. Anybody have some stories? And I think I probably did five or eight interviews. I learned so much. So if you're going to do that, reach out to your network, ping me on LinkedIn, um, you know, like learn from others that have gone before. So you don't make the same mistakes twice. And, um, and, and that's invaluable. That's a perfect close because it's literally what this video is meant to do. So we're oh. doing it. We're bringing it full circle. People are learning from this. Yeah. Now I can just say, watch Thank the video. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, intro. Oh, you hit me on LinkedIn. Here, there's this video. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. That's how I found you. Uh, thank that's you fun. for spending time with me with Focus Lab once again. Uh, it, it truly was a pleasure working with you and your team. Fantastic. Um, we're really proud of the, of the journey we took together. And thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you so much. It was such a delightful experience being led by you and your team. So we, we oh. enjoyed every minute of it thoroughly. It felt like a true partnership. We look forward to our Tuesday calls. We look forward to the launch and still running into you guys from time to time and sharing stories. Our yeah. paths are going to continue to cross, yeah, even so. if it is just a couple of tech conferences here and there. That's fine. I'll take it. All right. All right. Have a great day. Thank you, audience. All right. Yes. Take care. Bye. Hey, Janina here. Thank you for listening to our debrief with SalesLoft, and a huge thank you to Sydney for all the insights she shared. This episode marks the end of season two for the Focus on Brand podcast. We're taking a little break over the holidays, but we'll be back with more brand insights in the new year. 
In the meantime, if you can take a moment to leave us a review, it would be a big help that would allow more people like you to find us when searching for a brand podcast. Thank you for your continued support. It honestly means more than you know. See y'all in 2023.